0: Welcome to the Relate Podcast, where you become equipped for the dynamic, fulfilling relationships you desire with others, yourself, and God. I'm Casey Sunstead, and I'll be your host as we continue the series Origins Your Past is Present. Thanks for joining us for the Relate Podcast, where we take a look at our origins and how our past is present. I'm Casey Sunstead, along with Tyler and September. We're glad you joined us for this conversation. In our last episode, we explored the idea of needing wise people who have our best interests in mind to help us see our stories clearly so we can gain insight and see our blind spots. Today, we're concluding the Origins series with a look at how our past affects more than how we view ourselves and we relate to others. It also shapes and colors our experience with God. Okay, guys. So last week we talked about how we need people to speak into our stories. We need them to help us to see. And so I know for me anyway, I was thinking of my person. So I wanted to hear about your go-to person. When you think of your go-to person, what is it about them that makes them safe for you? What is it about them that makes you want their input?
1: So I have a few people that I do this for, and they're probably in different, they're different kind of domains of my life. But there's a constant and common thing about those people. And that's that they know me and they know me in context. Like that's the number one thing is that they've taken the time to get to know me. They ask the right questions to get to know me. Mm. And very often, better than I know myself, they're able to speak truth into situations, the way I react to things. They're able to read when I'm being emotional. And so they, they speak those truths into it. Those are the same people that I want to share my origin story with because mm-hmm. if they know you, they have a lot of context and they have a lot of compassion towards you. And, and they've actually shown that they want to invest the time in caring about you.
0: It makes a lot of sense. You don't have to give a lot of background right. and explain and explain. They know the context.
1: They know all my mm-hmm. inside jokes. Yeah. And when I try to use them to get out of really talking about the things that are important.
2: Because it's always to easier to laugh than talk about something real. It
1: totally is. Yeah. And then you can walk away because it's like a punchline. <laughs> you just book right. it.
2: And those who know us call us out on that. So
1: yeah. Well, what about you, September?
2: I for me, I I think I've got several. You know, I've got several that I go to locally, people that live near me, and whatever. If I were to look at the span of my life, I would think of my friend Sandy. There are two things about Sandy that I love. One is is a little, Tyler a little bit of what you said. We've done life together for <laughs> so long. Like she's been there through. I mean, we've known each other since our kids were toddlers. And so we've seen a lot of life yeah. and there's been some hard things in my life that Sandy was my go-to person and she showed up like nobody's business and, and she's just there for me. So there's a reliability factor. Like I know if I ask her to do something hard, she will say absolutely absolutely she'll do that with me and then the other one is that like she lives you know across the country she lives in washington state and i live here in chicago so we don't see each other very often but when when i answer the phone or she answers the phone i hear delight in her voice and when i see her in person she just has a look of delight like she's just genuinely delighted to see me and who doesn't love people and need people who are delighted to see us
0: yeah so, that's
2: it's delight and it's just i think the The willingness to do the hard things, you know, for each other.
1: I think that's mutual too. Like you can feel it in yourself when you're delighted to see them. Like you, you want to share, you share something, you share mutual delight and enjoyment of each other's company. Absolutely.
0: When I think about qualities of people I want on my list, it almost sounds cliche. And so let me elaborate, but good listener, Mm. finding someone who's a good listener is really hard to do. And then not only someone who's not thinking about what they're going to say next, but actually listening and thinking of helpful ways that they can ask really good questions. When I was thinking of my go-to person, I'm like, my friend asks the questions, I think, Tyler, you were saying this too, that I need to hear. She knows me well enough. She's known me long enough. She's seen me th- go through so many different seasons where she knows my story and my mm. um, even the ways that I my past shows up in my present. So she can remind me. Mm. September. Yes. As we start our topic today, can you help us? Because I can see how our relationships are impacted by the positive and negative inputs from our childhoods. But today we're talking about how our spiritual life is impacted by those things. Can you help us understand that concept? Well,
2: I think that the filters or the, the, the lenses, if you would, that, that we wear from our past, they distort the way that we see God because it affects um, how or even if we can receive love from God. Your primary parent, especially if it was your father, Um, Is a direct lens through which we see God as our Heavenly Father or as our Father figure, if you would, spiritually.
0: Even just starting there, like God as Father, Mm -hmm. so many different people hear God as Father and have different emotional responses to that. Some
2: people have horrible responses to that because of their family of origin story. If they had a father who abused them in any way, it's going to really screw up their ability without some work to, to view God as benevolent. Absolutely. You know, if you look like throughout the pages of scripture, God identifies as Father. Now, again, this was a patriarchal society, so that's... God is not bound by a gender, but in the pages of Scripture, it's a male word for parent, father, that's used. Mm-hmm. And even the words of Jesus in you know the New Testament, he called God Abba, which is daddy. That's like a, a an affectionate term. So that gives us an idea of what our relationship with a higher power should be: an intimate daddy kind of a relationship. I love the story of you know the prodigal son. So it's a story where this. This son leaves home and he blows all his money and he makes a bunch of mistakes in his life. And and he finally he realizes he's got to come home because he's broke. He doesn't know what else to do. So he's going to go home to his father. And thinking he's going to get you know lectured and you know shunned or whatever he, and instead the father sees him coming and hikes up his robes and just like runs yeah. to him. Like that's the image that we see in scripture of what the kind of father that God wants to be to us, the kind of parent, if you would, that God wants to be to us. But it's hard for us to get over how we experienced a parental figure in our family of origin. If we don't unpack that a little bit, um, there's a, a scripture passage in the book of 2 Samuel 7:14. Uh, it says this, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, again, that's patriarchal language. It's a father, but it's, it's, I'm going to be the ultimate good parent to you, if you would. Maya Angelou has a quote I want to share with you. It's this, stand up straight and realize who you are, that you tower over your circumstances. You are a child of God. Stand up straight. I
0: have actual memories of my parents telling me to stand up straight. (laughs) I love that that's part of that so, quote. It's yeah. so parental. It is kind of parental. <laughs> so you're your child you got Sam up straight. But I think I'm guessing what she's
2: getting at is have dignity, have pride. No matter what your circumstances were, you tower over them. Stand up straight because you are God's child, first and foremost. But when our family experiences didn't model that loving parent for us, it warps the assumptions that we're gonna make about
0: what God as father means. And that absolutely makes all the sense in the world to me that we all have imperfect parents, or if we had a challenging relationship with our parents, that that would somehow um, make it difficult for us to connect with God or understand him his goodness. Yeah. But also, I'm sure there's ways that it gives us a lens with which we experience God, even if we had... Good parents. Oh, absolutely.
2: I mean, if we had, you know, near perfect parents, like yeah. in our
0: minds, like I had, I had fantastic parents,
2: but you, you just make assumptions that your parents' personality is going to be similar to God's personality, mm-hmm. not even in areas of, you know, negative inputs or positive inputs, but just what they were like, you know, my dad is, is dignified and he's, he's quiet, he's reserved uh, in what he has to say. And then when he speaks, it's always worth listening to. And there are some qualities there that are just part of his personality that don't necessarily reflect God, mm-hmm.
0: right? Yeah. But but I, that's how I would naturally perceive God, right? Because that's just what I saw. Yeah, it, it definitely gives us a lens with which our experience is our lens with which we are understanding God. Yeah, How would we identify that lens for ourselves, that whether it's distorted or because of our own experience, how do we identify that in our life, the way we're mm. using that to understand God?
2: You know, for me, I think there are four... Areas that I get curious about when I'm trying to kind of broaden out how I perceive God and how that reflects some assumptions I might have made as a kid Mm -hmm. or, you know, as a child. One of them is what did it take to gain approval in my family? Or what does it, you know, what did it take to gain approval in your family? Another one would be what characteristics of God um, most resonate with you? Like when you imagine God, what are those characteristics that you think about? A third one might be how did you view your father or your primary parent as a child? Um, both positive and negative. And then that fourth area for me, at least, it would be how did you best receive healthy love as a child? So not, not the, maybe some of the hurtful ways that, that you, what, things you might have had to do to feel like you were loved, but the, the genuinely helpful, beautiful ways. What, what were those? And like that first one, what did it take to gain approval in your family? You know, has this carried over into what you think you need to do in order to win God's approval? You know, if you grew up in a super perfectionistic family and everything had to be perfect, is that what you think you have to do to get God's approval? You have to be perfect. You
0: know, did it affect
2: your understanding of grace or of, of unconditional love? So that would be one
0: in September, as you say, gain approval. I even think about the role. As like we said before, middle child for Mm -hmm. me, for Tyler, would that be part of that as well? Like the way that I gained approval might be different than my brother or my sister?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think I I would think that birth order would certainly make a difference, you know, and just the way that you, the role that you filled in your family, it might've been caregiver. It might've been the one that never, you know, that never caused trouble. might've been your role was black sheep and you always needed to be rescued. You know, whatever that role was certainly can affect how you, how you perceive God.
1: I met with uh, one of our key volunteers this week, actually, and we were talking kind of about just where he's at. He's exhausted. He's mm. so tired. And he's mm. overcommitted. He doesn't know where he's going to get his next rest. And I'm like, how did you get here? Like, how, how mm. do we get here? And, um, Together over like the next 15 minutes, all we did was trace it back to the fact that when he decided what he thought his line of work was going to be Mm -hmm. when he's going into college, his parents had had actual verbal doubts about that choice Mm. and some things about, you know, this is what's going to take to succeed. Do you want to do this? And so since that point, even though he's made it and Mm -hmm. he's so successful, he's doing great things. He's very, very efficient and, and really successful in what he does. He's still trying to prove it. He feels like mm. he has to push and achieve to prove that yes, he can make it. He will sustain himself. And that he was will a good be choice successful. Made. Yeah, yeah right. and 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 I you know, he had to hear somebody like me say you're good enough. You've made it. Yeah. You need you need to just take a breath. Yeah. And you don't have to say yes to everything cuz you've made it. And you say yes to the right things, not everything from oh. here on out. And that, I mean, that comes from his family of origin yeah. and and what he thought he needed to do to achieve, you know, those, that approval.
2: Yeah. That's a great example because most, now again, I don't know him and I don't know his parents, but I'm guessing his parents were just trying to provide some helpful coaching as he's choosing a major. Like they weren't saying you're never going to succeed. Right.
1: Exactly. (laughs) And and all of our parents do, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right. So sometimes we have to just set aside those old tapes or even... You know, if, if you have a good relationship with your parent, ask what they meant or revisit those things and say, can I get some clarity on this? It's still hanging me up, you know? Yeah, but yeah. yeah, for sure. We have old tapes that might not no longer really be accurate that we can kind of put the erase on.
1: I think it have viewed, affected his view of God, too, because um, he views himself as somebody who can just serve. And that's mm. his role in church. And mm. he can't just sit and participate and he's got to be serving yeah. and got to be doing something yeah. rather than just being with people.
2: So it's that gain approval piece. Mm-hmm. yeah. So the second the second area that, that I get curious about is like what characteristics of God, most resonate with you. So, like for me, you know, um, not just what ones do I love. Like when I th- when I think of God, um, what are my favorite descriptors of God? But also, what ones do I resist? Sometimes we learn a lot by the, the characteristics of God that we resist. And um, and then why is that? Just to get curious about that, you know. So, like in in Scripture, you might see, especially in the Old Testament, you see um, that. People recorded the stories of God. Uh, we're showing God in anger, or God really caring about justice, or being all powerful. We see this very kind of um, you know, uh, oppressive kind of heavy-handed view of God. In other places in scripture, the Psalms and in uh, what Jesus shows us about God in the New Testament, we see God as all loving and compassionate and accepting and forgiving and approving. You know What characteristics stick out to you, both on the positive and the negative side? And then what does that show you about how you might have a slightly warped, if you're only able to see God as a perfectionist angry all powerful god you know that probably has some roots in your story that you might want to explore
0: i um, love that question september because i think we we know what what kind of jolts us when we hear it. Yeah. But we don't always ask ourselves why. Why didn't why did that feel a little icky to me or why yeah. does that feel a little sideways? And I love the idea that if you if you just get curious about it's hard for me to think of God as a judge. Yes. Okay, well why is that? What is it about my story that makes judge feel err in right. my spirit when, when I hear about it? Sometimes it's not just
2: the, the character traits, but it, it, even some of the names of God in Scripture. You know, the Lord is our shepherd. You know, he's, um, in other places it says he's our healer or he's master or he's most high God or he's our father or he's our provider or our forgiver. Like there's different names in Scripture. And again, what ones do we find ourselves drawn to and what ones do we resist and then, how might our accurate but incomplete view of God be a little warped? And we need to kind of have a bit of a, a bit of a broader picture of who God really is. That's really helpful. So, we've got what did it take to gain approval? What characteristics of God resonate? And then the third one is how did you view your father or your primary parent as a child? So, now we're looking at the characteristics of. Of our parent, and again, a lot of times these are these are stereotypes because we were making these you know uh, perceptions of our parents as little kids. We didn't know <laughs> all the stuff our parents might have been going through, or the actual reasons they did certain mm-hmm. things. Or so again, they're not necessarily accurate, but they were real to us. So it's important to look at them. So on the negative side, maybe you had a parent who was distant or passive or violent or unfaithful or super authoritarian or. Um, super selfish or whatever. So those would be some negative things. You know how are how are those warping? Are you making an assumption that God is also that way? And then on the positive side, you know, if you had a selfless parent or a hardworking parent or a loving and reliable parent, you know, you had a parent who was super dependable and and was a a pillar of strength for you, there's a good chance that that set you up well to have a little bit less distortion in how you view God, because I think God is those things. That That's how he desires to parent us. You know, as you look at those characteristics of your primary parent, um, what does that tell you about your story? Does it show what you wish you could receive from God? You know, does it, does it reveal what might be missing and, the, and what you're still seeking um, in those earthly relationships today? So again, we're always filtering this stuff, um, not just how in you know, how this stuff affected our relationship with God, but also how does that show up in our in our day-to-day relationships? You know, that warped lens, how we perceive God often will also affect our relationships with actual people. And then the fourth thing would be how um, did you best receive healthy love as a child? Mm-hmm. Um, so not manipulative love, not desperate love, but those, those moments in your story where you knew you were being loved unconditionally and being loved well. Even if it wasn't by a parent, it might've been that you knew a teacher, had a special place in their heart for you, or you knew that a, you know, a favorite aunt always had her eye out for you and you sensed that unconditional love. You know, what's the, what did that look like for you? So I read this book, gosh, maybe 20 years ago. It's a super well-known book, actually. It's called The Five Love Languages by an author named Gary Chapman. And in this book, he describes five ways that we receive love. And those five ways are words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, you know, getting to spend dedicated time with someone and then physical touch. How did you receive love in beautiful ways as a child? You know, which one of those love languages was one that resonated with you as a kid? You know, for me, it probably, um, words of affirmation. I'm a words person, so I guess that probably makes sense, but it meant so much to me when somebody would, I can still remember when I was in the first grade and it was parent conference week at school and I overheard my neighbor's mom tell my teacher she looked at my drawing or i don't know paper or something that was on display she goes wow september has nice penmanship like that's a super <laughs> simple little compliment yeah. like it, you know yeah. a first grader learning how to write it's stuck i'm telling you this story now like the, that word of affirmation was super important to me
1: well it also made you hyper aware of those things too this is like i i I am I, good at that,
2: right? Exactly, it and builds so, value. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, what were some of those love languages that might have, um, you know, meant something to you as a child? And then, when you know, think about a time when you felt the most loved. You know, how might that be connected to how you interpret or misinterpret love from God? So, if you felt most loved um, when a parent was being just genuinely loving toward you for your sake and not theirs or not to meet their agenda that's an undistorted you know view of the kind of love that god wants to offer you So I liked Words of Affirmation. That meant a lot to me as a kid.
1: Well, I liked quality time. I I mean, I I read that book too. And for some reason when I came out of it, I was like, I am completely unclear. I don't know which one is me. (laughs) But honestly, as an adult is when I realized most, like quality time is that. Because like I find myself being jealous of other people's quality time that they get to spend or they'll be like, yeah, I had a great weekend. We did this with this person. Mm. I'm like, well, I wish I could have done that with you. Mm. Or like, you know, I, I wish somebody else had done that with me or like, I wish, you know, That's, it's like my jealousy for that time. That's where it made me realize, oh, like quality time is how I like view love. And I mean, we see that as our family, just having unplanned quality time is is where that happens. High
2: value. Yeah. Cool.
0: How about you, Casey? For me, it's words of affirmation, but I take it up a notch. And some of this is because of my family of origin did this so well Mm. that I need it, like not just words, but then like, can you... Expand on those words and give me real specific examples. And maybe if you actually really mean your words, you would, I don't know, throw me a surprise party to show me how much you mean (laughs) the words that you said to me.
1: I don't know. Is
0: that quality time at the it, surprise it party? Could it like, could be like like an add-on quality time. Yeah. If
1: you really love me, surprise me. I mean, make it a surprise. <laughs> but I believe with all my heart that I'll be walking into a surprise party on my birthday.
0: So if you're listening <laughs> and you feel bad for my husband, I think that's uh, real has he thrown you a surprise party? He did. He did. See, he loves you. He has in the in the twenty years of our marriage. But if he does it party.
1: like every year, no, then it's yeah, no it's longer not a, surprise a surprise unless he does it throughout the year. This is your birthday. It's your new birthday. Surprise. It's
0: like a joke. Like 30 days before, and really I mean you have like a 30 day after window of my birthday as well. So anytime before or after my birthday, if we're walking walking into somewhere, I I sometimes look at him and go, (laughs) is this my party? And he like dies every time. Like for real that's on your mind right now.
1: Uh, We're in Target. So probably not. (laughs) It could
0: be. They just have
1: balloons. It's a decoration. (laughs) This is a store and that's what they do. But
0: that would be surprising. So it might It's a real possibility. Okay, September. So those four questions are super helpful as we're identifying some lenses with which we see God. And those lenses are based in our story and our experiences. So when we start to identify them, help us. Mm. What are some ways we can fix them or take off those lenses and see God more accurately?
2: I think sometimes if we can identify what the faulty assumption is that we are making, mm-hmm. okay? So first, it, it precludes that we have some understanding that God and belief system that God is actually benevolent toward us and has unconditional love for us and has our back, right? That it goes bigger than our circumstances. It's eternal, unconditional love. If that is your assumption, then you can measure what faulty assumptions am I making that are contrary to who God actually is. Does that make sense? Yeah. You want examples? Please. I will give you. A, bring the I examples. I will try to think of examples. You guys can pitch in examples okay, too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Here. So here's an assumption. I'm assuming that God is just like my mom or dad. That's there may be some similarities depending on your parent, but that's a at its core that's a faulty assumption. God is really not like our moms and dads. Um, you know. So our parents, as even if they were amazing, they're still flawed. Like like you and I are flawed, and so even amazing parents have flaw have faults. Even amazing parents have faults and they, they fall short of loving us perfectly, whereas God is all loving, fault free, good to the core. God's actions toward us are based on pure, unconditional love. There's no agenda behind it other than we are God's creation, loved deeply. End of story. So that's a big if, uh, you know, to assume that God is all loving. So maybe for some of us that are, you know, thinking this stuff through, we have to kind of go after can we first and foremost agree that God is ultimately loving and benevolent toward us? That's the foundation. Mm-hmm. If and when you are able to embrace that foundation of God as all-loving, only wants our best interest, then we can compare those qualities of an all-loving God against assumptions that we make about our parents.
0: And I even hear your invitation from earlier, if it is hard for you to believe, yeah. ask yourself why, What what is making you resist? Mm. What about your story makes that difficult for you? Yeah.
1: The other thing is like, you're not alone. Like most of us that call ourselves Christians, it's not like we've got it figured out or that like every day we're like, yep, God is this person and it's great. End of story. It's literally every day is is another discovery of like, okay, what are my doubts and how does God meet me in those? Um, What you'll find, or at least what I found is that for every doubt I have, there's an answer. It might be not right away, Mm -hmm. but- those that's that you're meant to do that you're meant to to have those questions about who that god is so. yeah
2: sometimes not only did our parents perhaps give us a, a warped lens in how we view god but they literally taught us a warped version of god right mm-hmm. you know maybe it's because it's what they believed maybe it was to control us or what any number of reasons but We've received two different potentially warping messages, one by the example that they gave us and the second one by what they actually taught us or maybe by the church that they took us to that gave a warped perception of God. So we have two different warped lenses that, that can come that way that we need to be attentive to. You know, we talked last week about creating a little message or like a little mantra to kind of help right size something. And I think a mantra can come in handy in this situation too. So if you're trying to overcome a warped lens, and let's say it's, you know, God is just like my dad or God is just like my mom or my parent, maybe that mantra would be something like, my parents are human, but God is God, you know, or my parents are human, but God loves me no matter what or whatever something like you know, give yourself a little expression to help rewrite that tape that's rolling around in your head let's say that you've got a, a, a faulty assumption that is something like when bad things happen I deserve it because God's punishing me right a super punitive view of God but the reality is that bad things happen to everyone and Jesus himself refuted this concept um, in scripture you know there was one time where there was a blind guy and people were asking Jesus why is this guy blind and he's like this this guy isn't blind because of his parents' sin. That's that's not how it works. Like you're not. He's not being punished, you know. And um, Joseph in the Old Testament spent years in prison. His brothers had sold him as a slave, and he had this horrible story. And in the end of that story, he was able to see how God used his horrible circumstances to bring good out of it. And he said, literally, "You intended to harm me." He's talking to his brothers. "You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good." Maybe the mantra would be, God isn't punishing me. God can bring good from this.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And we have done a lot of work over the last six episodes to start to be aware and start to think about the way that our story has really impacted who we are and how does that impact our relationships today? Yeah. And so as you're talking about this, it's just another way to look with this information. Now I'm looking up at my relationship with God and thinking about what are my lenses with which... I'm seeing him, and do those lenses need to be replaced? That's really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. And when I think about it for my life, and I'd love to hear about it from you guys, I think one of the things that's impacted the way I interact with God, my relationship with him, is my role in my family, my middle child. I want everybody to be okay and everybody to be cared for, everybody to be helped. Yeah. And so I think, God, I'll earn your love by taking care of all your people. Mm.
2: Wow. So what's the mantra you're going to grab a hold of?
0: Yeah. And the mantra is, Casey, you are enough and you've done enough. And I love you not based on what you do, but just who you are, that unconditional Mm. love that we all want from our parents.
2: That's beautiful. And
0: that I got from my parents, but that I received, I took on the role of caregiver and that's how I earned approval. Yeah, That's how I received approval, I should probably say. Yeah. And so that I subconsciously realize I I do that with God too. I think, well, God must love me when I perform. Mm. And that's kind of what Tyler was saying in his story too. Yeah. You make assumptions. How about you guys? When you think about, okay, all these lenses I've learned about over these last six conversations, and I think about it, applying it to my relationship with God, what does it look like for you?
1: You know, I'm, so I do a lot of photography and, um, I think the tension here is that it's very easy to swing one way or the other. And so it's a constant daily struggle to figure out like, well, wh- how do you fit the lens that is right in the middle? Because the lens, they call it a 50 millimeter. Mm. That is the lens that the human eye sees things as far as compression and depth and the way things are laid out. It doesn't have the same angle of view, but it's the most accurate picture of what we see. But there are uses for like a long lens, like a 135 or a 200 millimeter but it's gonna compress things and you start to lose focus of things in the background and the context. You can do a wider lens that you can see everything, but it distorts everything. Everything's a little bit not how it should be. Yep. Mm. And that's the tension, right? Yeah. Fitting it to like where we actually see things accurately. And that's a daily struggle. There's not like I, I wish I had an answer a good answer sure. for your question. Um and a good mantra, but the my mantra is just What's the context? How do we see this in its context? And yeah. that's what helps me, I guess.
2: Yeah, context is, that's a, that's, that's a good word there, Tyler. I'm going to throw another Maya Angelou at you because I adore her and she's a genius. She says this, she says, do the best you can until you can do better. Then when you know better, do better. When you know better, do better. And I think that's kind of what we've been hitting about. Not just today, as we try to think about the warped lenses we might, you know, bring into our perceptions of God, but really all six episodes of this series, it's really exploring. You know, we know too much to keep doing things the same. We've learned now that our past, our families of origin, our circumstances, um, for good and bad, have helped shape who we are. They help shape how we relate to other people. And as we learn to fully embrace and see ourselves the way God sees us, we over time, learn to see others and love them with that same kind of unconditional love that builds up our relationships. When my youngest kid was in high school, she was a track and field athlete and she ran the four by 400 relay, the baton passing relay for people. And I remember one day, and she was a good runner she anchored the team which is like the last of the four runners and we were watching her one day and the first three runners had had maybe not their best race they were struggling and um, by the time they passed my daughter that baton she was like way behind and she ran her best race but she was not able to make up that distance and she you know they she didn't win the race and I was watching her and it hit me like a bolt of lightning I am that third runner at the time, I was doing some of my own kind of, you know, I, was, I think I was seeing a counselor. I was doing some of my own work trying to understand how I perceive the world and such. And I thought the people that went before me, my parents, my grandparents, those were the, the, the first two runners. I'm that third runner. All three of us are running our best race, and we're going to pass that baton to the person behind us. Whether or not the people ahead of us ran great races, we are still committed to doing our best to pass better batons. To the people whose lives we influence today
0: thanks september that's such an amazing and powerful picture and exactly what this podcast is and especially this series is all about just taking a look at our lives and how to do our relationships better let's pass better batons i love that okay we've got some questions for you to consider as you think about the lenses with which you see god and As always, we encourage you to grab your go-to people and have these conversations in the context of your relationships. Question one. When you think of different attributes of God, which ones resonate the most with you? Are they positive or negative? Question two we talked about four areas where we can get curious to identify where our lenses of God might be distorted. What did it take to gain approval in your family? What characteristics of God most resonate with you? And which ones do you resist? How do you view your father or primary parent? And how did you best receive healthy love as a child? Of these four areas to get curious, which would be most helpful for you in this season? Three, what faulty assumptions might you be making about God or your relationship with God? What's one mantra you can use to replace that faulty assumption? Four, What is one practice you can engage in this week to help you view God through undistorted lenses? instead, along with Tyler Hoff and September Vaudry, we are so glad you joined us for today's conversation. Check out the show notes for discussion questions so you can continue the conversation with the important people in your life. We've also provided a list of further resources to explore these topics a little deeper. As we wrap up our first series of the Relate podcast, we give a special thank you to our editor and producer, Jenny Potter, as well as our friend and content curator, Deb Schertz. And we're deep into planning new series about all things relationships. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Google Play so you get notified when they release. We don't want to have the conversation without you. As we consider the next series of the Relate podcast, we would love your input. What topics do you want to talk about when it comes to your relationships? Shoot us your ideas in the comments section when you follow us on Instagram or join our Facebook group. Thanks for joining us on the Relate podcast. Let's do life better by building better relationships.